Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from Ring of Fire, The Young Turks, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and The Majority Report. I object to those stories that say I'm a lame duck. I'm not a lame duck, I'm a sprinting duck. I'm a hustling duck. I'm a leadership of the free world duck. And I'm continuing to spread our agenda globally and around the world, as well as internationally. Gosh, it would be awful pleasing to reason out the reason for things I can't explain. Then perhaps I'll deserve you and be even worthy of you If I only had a brain Shirumi is a Harvard MBA professor who told us in an interview that he had never been in the presence of a duller wit and more empty-headed intellect than the little bush. In fact, Shirumi's given dozens of interviews where he makes that statement about the little shrub who was at one time his MBA student. And it's pretty clear to most of us paying attention that not much has changed about Bush since he struggled through MBA school. But back then, you know what? Bush's profound incompetence didn't have the capacity to instigate thermonuclear war. That's the difference. And it's interesting that even soccer moms who in 2004 picked Bush above Kerry is the guy who was going to protect their children from military threats and threats of international terrorism. Even those same naive soccer moms are beginning to understand just how seriously they've put their children in harm's way. But at least there's a new image that is developing in the minds of Americans when they picture Bush and his role as world leader or when they connect all the dots about just how scary this Republican Congress really is, that picture comes to many of us in the form of slim pickings straddling an atomic bomb and riding it like a rodeo horse from 30,000 feet into the heart of America. That's the picture that's developing. It's the same scene that the movie Dr. Strangelove captured two decades ago, and today it's ridiculously easy to picture the little shrub on the nose of that bomb. If you're not terrified that Bush and this Republican Congress 
is moving closer to a Mideast nuclear war that's ultimately going to threaten the U.S., then you probably fall into one of the following categories. First, maybe you spend too much time watching ETV and reality trash TV, and you don't spend enough time reading a newspaper. Or maybe you're a Dominion theology-style evangelical who's anxious for a biblical end-of-times apocalypse to occur right now. Or maybe you're just a shallow-brained, knuckle-dragging, all-about-me, Schwarzenegger-style Republican without children or without grandchildren, so your Neanderthal attitude is, bring it on. Well, i got to tell you, 70% of Americans polled this week believe that the instability in the Middle East is escalating and will continue to escalate under Bush. 60% of Americans say that Bush's Iraqi war based on lies and fraud is the reason that all of this is happening over there. In fact, more than 40% of Americans believe that Bush and his Republican Congress has a squarely headed, unfortunately, right towards World War III. But the end of that story is that there's no such thing as World War III without thermonuclear weapons that can vaporize our entire planet. So having said that, I want you to do something. Close your eyes to picture something. Imagine that the little shrub, Rumsfeld and Cheney, were there in the Oval Office during the Cuban Missile Crisis, during a time when Russia was ready and willing to launch atomic bombs just 90 miles off our coast. Close your eyes and visualize a launch that would obliterate all of mankind. And now imagine the shrub and Cheney negotiating instead of Kennedy and Johnson. Imagine that the shrub and Cheney were our last best hope to prevent atomic war during that Cuban Missile Crisis. But also imagine now that Condi Rice was Kennedy's key advisor instead of Dean Rusk, a proven, respected, seasoned statesman. And worse yet, imagine that during that Cuban Missile Crisis, all the real, true-to-life, dignified, experienced, worldly congressional statesmen that once walked the halls of Congress were replaced by political thug lightweights like Frist and Hastert, Santorum, or Brownback. Imagine America in that kind of mess, just for a second. And now open your eyes and tell me you don't feel real fear in the very pit of your stomach. The Pap Attack on Air America Radio Network. Go to ringoffireradio.com or airamericaradio.com for more info. again and then we'll do Limbaugh in a little bit as well down in Iraq whether it was a, a good mission or not uh, that the rogue nations know it and they don't take us seriously 
look, our, our coddling of Iran, if I can use a neutral term like that, over the last six to nine months has emboldened them. I mean, is Iran behaving like a timid, uh, you know, regime that's very worried about the U.S., or is Iran behaving recklessly and foolhardy, in a foolhardy way? But isn't that the result of what's happened in Iran? No, it's the result of our deducing from the situation in Iraq that we can't stand up to Iran. I mean, when we stand up over and over and say Iran is... Letting is shipping improvised uh, explosive devices into Iraq and killing U.S. soldiers. And Syria is providing a, t a line for terrorists to come into Iraq and kill U.S. soldiers. And that's unacceptable. That's not helpful. And then we do nothing about it. When, we, when, when Ahmadinejad says provocative things and continues to ship arms to Hezbollah, and we say, okay, maybe we'll, now we'll give you direct talks, that is... That, unfortunately, that weakness has been provocative. Ahmadinejad feels emboldened. Now, we need to show him, and I think the administration has done a good job the last couple of days of showing him that he miscalculated. And, indeed, this is a great opportunity. I think our weakness, unfortunately, invited this aggression, but this aggression is a great opportunity to begin resuming the offensive against the terrorist groups. Israel is fighting four of our five enemies, in a sense, in the Middle East. Iran and Syria, sponsors of terror, Hezbollah and Hamas. Al-Qaeda doesn't seem to be directly involved. We have to take care of them in Iraq. This is an opportunity to begin to reverse the unfortunate direction of the last six to nine months and get the terrorists and the jihadists back on the defensive. Wow, there's, uh, there's a lot there. Hang on, I'm taking a note Okay, here. the All unfortunate right, so. uh, events of the last six to nine months when we've been trying diplomacy. That's what he's referring to. That's unbelievable. Yeah, sure. He said we've shown weakness by actually doing diplomacy. We need to go back to, quote, Resuming the offensive. Who who does it? First, let me go in order if I could. But we'll, first of all, it starts with the co and it's really coddling of Iran. Mm -hmm. We've coddled Iran for crying out loud. We're sweating bullets that we're about to attack them. So when he says things like coddling or stand up, he means coddling is not going to war. Standing up is war. That's There's right. two things. There's two tacks you could take in Bill Crystal's world. You attack, or you don't attack. If you, if you attack, you stand up, and you, you take a stand against people who are trying to push you around. If you don't attack, you're a, you're a girl. What's That's, his motive, then? I mean, is it just like that they want to still look macho? I mean, what do they get out of attacking Iran or going forward? Everything that they got from the Project for a New American Century. I think this, this, is, the new, this, is, the yeah, this is the new paradigm. But it's there's failing. They don't think it is. They just don't think it's gotten a good enough support. You know, they and they think, look, okay. Do you think by like tying in a bunch of the Middle East countries look, together, the rest you, of the world will get pissed off enough because the Middle East will look insane, so we'll gain more international but support you heard and be able to talk, just like blow it all up? You heard him talk about it in Iraq. He's like, yeah, look, Iraq's not going ideally, but it doesn't. But our problem in Iraq was that he thinks that our problem in Iraq has been that we've interpreted what's happened in Iraq is that it's not working. We just need to assume, go a little slower, press ahead, I'll press ahead. Press ahead. I'll tell you exactly what he sounds like. He sounds like one of those communists, uh, an ex-communist like his dad, uh, where they say, oh, no, 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 it would have worked. Communism would have worked if, you know, the Soviet Union hadn't misapplied right. it. Right. And really, oh, it would have. I tell you, if, if China and, and Cuba and Vietnam and the Soviet Union and every other country that applied it hadn't misapplied it, communism was well on its way to working. Yeah, and, you know, and it's the same argument that even people like John McCain and others uh, uh, have used about Vietnam, you know, that yeah, if we tried. We could have won. And I don't know what win means. It just would have gone on a hell of a lot longer. He's part of a failed ideology, and he's not willing to let it go. And he, what, what he wants to do is, because he knows that if, this, if things continue as they are, 
within a short period of time, him and all his neoconservative buddies will be entirely irrelevant. Because the people will say, Iraq didn't work, the neoconservative ideology didn't work, now let's ignore these maniacs. And he doesn't want to get ignored. So his strategy, because it doesn't hurt him at all, it could only help him. His strategy is double down. Let's right. attack Iran and no, hope so, something good comes no, out No, totally. Double down. He is a gambler on a losing streak who is just going to leave Vegas down $25,000 and with his wife having left him. He's on tilt. And as to why, you know, what are his motivations, Jill, there, uh, you know, that's why it, there's two possible motivations. One is he just, he's lost track of what's right for America. And he only cares about the original vision they had for a project for a new American century, which at this point is in, almost entirely irrelevant about U.S. global domination. It seems comical at this point. We have to get a, uh, we had to get the JR, our producer, with the, uh, the maniacal uh, overlord laugh mm -hmm. for just whenever we say the word world domination. Right. Just something mean, comes just, in with the... <laughs> yeah, because that's what they're... At. If you read Project for a New American Century, what they wrote, that's what they argued for. I mean, I now, that, that's, that ship has sailed, but they don't think it's sailed. Right. So that's, I think, their main motivation. But when you listen to, like, uh, you know, to him speak and he talks about Israel's enemies as if there are enemies, then you begin to wonder if his second motivation or his first motivation or whatever number it is, one of his motivations motivations is he doesn't really care about U.S. interests, or he does care about U.S. interests, but he cares about Israeli interests more. Well, and are the consequences just maybe not as bad as we believe they are, since they have no fear into another failed war? Oh, but the consequences, no, 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 the consequences are disastrous, but he doesn't pay them. He's, he's a battlefield, Bill Crystal, a battlefield. Okay. <laughs> also, I mean, but he's an American. I mean, the consequences he are tragic for, for all Americans. Uh, he if, doesn't if we, care. Look, you know, continue that's why. down this road and continue to fail. But, I mean, maybe maybe they're not as bad as we imagine they could be. I mean, these are smart guys well, that are running the country. It's like, I mean, maybe they think it's repairable if they F up. Well, look, no, no, they're not smart at all. This guy's a I mean, total there's, idiot. There's no fear with them at all. I mean, do they not see wasting, five steps ahead? We're wasting our time worrying about what's in his head. I would take them at their face value. They think it will work. It doesn't matter. It won't. All rational people think it won't. I don't need to question that he has some diabolical plan. He thinks it'll work. He thinks this plot to sort of democratize Iran and Syria and Jordan and Egypt and every other country, Lebanon and I can't even whatever, Yemen. I think Yemen's a very <laughs> important part of it. Um, you know, he, they think it'll work. They think that Iraq is not enough of a failure to not press forward. They don't care. It's a, the, the tilt analogy is perfect. Double down, double down. I'm down 1,000. I'm going to bet 2,000. I'm down 4,000, except they're not playing blackjack. They're playing a game where your chances of winning are 1%, and, and you're going to lose all your money. And the other thing that they're not playing with is their own money, if you will, in that analogy. It's not their lives they're going to lose. This is all a big game to them. It's a theory to them. And they're, you know, sitting in there, if I, if you, if I could borrow a term here, they're in ivory tower and sitting like, oh, well, who should we send to war? Well, it certainly won't be any of my family. See, that's why, see, that's it certainly won't be my friends. I'll send you poor schmucks to die for my theory. Yeah. Because even though my theory is clearly not working, the only way I could rest you my intellectual pride is by having more of you die. You know, that's why I think that we, that actually, as much as I don't like to analyze people who I, I don't know, um, I, it's probably sex, actually. And, like, hmm. Bill Crystal is, you know, he's a funny-looking guy. He's got slightly bloated face. I don't see women getting turned on by that. Guy. Can I tell you something? I did not know this, and I don't know if it's true to this day, but a listener wrote in and said, apparently, Bill Crystal's like 4'9". 
Oh, is he a little thumb? Apparently, thumbed? he's like, you know... The little Napoleon thing going totally. on. Totally. Right. Right. Except Napoleon won some battles. Right. Well, see, I see Bo Crystal. He's at a party. He's not that good looking. And there's this really hot girl there. And he's charming her. And she's kind of conservative. So she's liking it. He's powerful. And he's like, I bet I can get us to invade Iraq. Will you sleep with me if we invade Iraq? And she's like, I'll sleep with you if we do Iraq and Iraq. <laughs> so he's he's halfway to be getting laid by the hottest girl he's ever seen in his entire life, and if we and he thinks airstrikes do, <laughs> and then he's gonna cash it. The Eastern world it is exploding, violence flaring, bullets loading. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating But you tell me Richard, we came across a list of senior staff from the White House published by the National Journal. We were interested to find out about a job held by one Stuart Baker. What was interesting was his title. What's his title? Uh, Stuart Baker? Stuart Baker is oh, his he's name. He's the, uh, the head of the kitchen, of course, as Stuart Baker. <laughs> He does desserts. Yes, he does yeah. pastries. Yeah. No, not no, that. No. Well, it's it's weird. I mean, it, 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 apparently they put a lot of uh, a lot of um, importance into hindsight at the White House. Again, something we didn't anticipate, but it's true. Hindsight. He's does anybody a proctologist. <laughs> Roy, that was beneath. That was up there. No, well, well. <laughs> keep them coming. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Butt jokes. All right. Um, I don't know. Does anybody know? I'll have to give you the answer then, because it's impossible to, to guess that they would have this. He, Stuart Baker is the White House Director of Lessons Learned. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is his official title. Uh, for, Small office, uh, I would bet. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, the White House Director of Lessons Learned earns more than $100,000 a year, which is easy money, because that works out to, like, what? About $100,000 uh, per lesson learned, I guess. <laughs> Well, I just imagine that uh, maybe his role is, uh, is, you know, they have these reports about how things are going and the various, you know, policies they've attempted, and mm-hmm. he just sits in the corner and goes, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That, there's, a, oh, there's, there's a lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> Won't do that again. He's I was tempted to warn you, but it's not my job. <laughs> you got to you gotta learn yeah, your lesson. You got to learn your lesson. <laughs> That's right, Roy. Yeah. And maybe that's it, Roy. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's the guy. Yeah. They come in, they say, three years after the invasion, Barat Baghdad, Baghdad is burning, civil war, and he says, told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still by your side, 
so yesterday I was going to watch a little bit of TV. I had some stuff to TV, and so I wanted to, uh, as, as I was about to get to it, I said, you know what, let me check out the news channels real quick, see what's happening with, in Lebanon, see if I'm missing anything. And, you know, I went to MSNBC, I went to CNN, nothing worthy of note, and I was about to go uh, to watch what I had TiVo'd, and uh, I thought, hmm, let me go to Fox randomly here, in the middle of the night. It was like, you know, around 10, 11 uh, on the West Coast at night. I was like, let's see if they're advocating for war. Just a right. random click-through. And I get there, and two things happen. First, they have a guy on there from New York, and he's like, well, it's, of course, Neil Cavuto's show. Right, so it's about the financial impact of all this. Right, and he's talking about, well, you know, uh, all these people want to kill us, you know, so I think we got to kill them, you know, and they're just, you know, look, uh, yeah, these guys, they want to all blow us up, and I don't get it, and... Uh, I'm like, oh, so this is a business analyst. Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, it sounds like a business analyst. Yeah. Well, and you know, we ran a clip from one of his business analysts one time. Oh, yeah, yeah, a bunch of times. That Jonathan Honig guy. Right, Jonathan He's a total clown. Every time you attack anybody, he's like, oh, the markets will go up if we bomb. So, but this guy was apparently some aide to the governor of Governor Pataki. So he's a Republican, and he's a real schlep from New York. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. They just want to kill us. I don't understand them. So, you know, they just... we to kill them first. I gotta, we got to kill first. So, all right, all right. That's, I guess that qualifies. And then he does a tease for coming up next. Are we on World War Three? And of course, in the next segment, they're going to talk to Newt Gingrich about how the war has already started and we should hurry up and retaliate by bombing Iran and Syria. Uh, that was just random. So then today I come in and JR says, well, they've been doing it all day. And we got a clip from James Woolsey, who, by the way, former head of the CIA, total Kool-Aid drinking neocon. Right. He is one of the guys who signed on to the project for a new American century. He's a neoconservative through and through. They never introduce him that way. Never. They just introduce him as former director of the CIA, an authoritative source, neutral, of course, is going to tell us what's happening here. And this neocon, of course, wants us to head to straight to oblivion. He wants to attack, you know, as many people as he possibly can. So here he is on uh, another Fox program. What's happening here? And this neocon. Are you convinced this is Iran and Syria? To oblivion. Oh, certainly. I think Iran is the puppet master, and uh, Syria and Hezbollah and Hamas, to varying degrees, are the puppets. So this is this is really about Iran versus the U.S. and uh, uh, Israel is in the way. Are you saying that we should be hitting Syria? We should yes. be hitting the airport? We should be hitting yes. Bashar Assad's yes. office? Yes. The last thing we ought to do now... Well, you mean uh, we, I the think. United States, not yes. Israel? Yes. Yeah, I think the last thing we ought to do now is to start talking about ceasefires and the rest. Iran has drawn a line in the sand. Uh, they've sent Hezbollah and Hamas uh, uh, against uh, Israel. They're pushing their nuclear weapons program. They're helping uh, North uh, Korea, working with them on a ballistic missile program. They're doing their best to take over southern Iraq with Muqtad al-Sadr and some of their other proxies. Uh, this is a very serious challenge uh, from Iran, and we need to weaken them badly and uh, undermining the Syrian uh, government uh, with airstrikes would help uh, weaken them back. If, if undermining Syria, if taking Syria down a peg or two by actually hitting them with airstrikes uh, would be effective, why not hit something in Iran? 
Well, uh, you know, one has to take things to some degree by uh, by steps. Uh, I think uh, it would be a huge blow uh, to Iran if uh, the Israelis are able, after a few more days' effort, to badly damage uh, Hezbollah and Hamas, as they are doing, and if we were able to uh, uh, help uh, undermine uh, the continuation of the Assad regime. Yeah. So there's Jim Wolsey, a former CIA director and signatory of the... Uh, project for new american century all right first off he's like israel what this is an israel no no no. this is the u.s's fight we need to start bombing israel what because, are you talking about right, when, so we've been attacked well, oh no that's right we haven't been attacked at all in fact this has absolutely nothing to do with us but this guy is advocating we start a war with syria yeah syria and, and you know I, I, this notion of the tying in and, and also i'd like to point out to start a war with syria why is because this is iran drawing a line in the sand and he says, whoa, whoa, to John Gibson, who he's talking to there, step by step, of yeah. course we're going to get to Iran. We're just first Afghanistan, then Iraq, then Syria, then Iran. What does he think will happen if we bomb Syria? And that's what, you know. Oh, and I love what John Gibson said there. After we take Syria down a peg or two. What does that mean? What? What does that mean? Idiot. What, what? Down a peg or two? What are they going to sink slightly into the sea? I thought Iran always came before Syria. I didn't think we were going to like do Syria first. I guess they They're switched. Off They're just trying. To I guess they had a vote the I other just, day. Are we going for the two weaker countries before we get to the stronger country? <laughs> the seven neocons that are left have a vote, and it was three-two with two abstentions Syria's in favor again, of Syria. Yeah. Again, the practice country like Iraq was. Yeah. I, I don't. Also, I don't. What does that mean? Take him down a peg or two. What? Will, what do they think will happen to Assad when we bomb the airport? When we bomb his headquarters? The, these now, first of all, clearly, I think we know this. The Syrians will rejoice. They will celebrate in the streets when American bombers, without ever having been attacked by Syria, fly into Syria and drop bombs all over the place. Woo, America! Death to Assad, please. <laughs> Gone so well for Iraq. You know, Republicans uh, and conservatives, I guess, they write emails, they write comments, they call, and they say, I'm a bad guy uh, because I call these people stupid, right? And I call our president, who's clearly one of the dumbest people we've ever had in any elected office, let alone the president. Uh, I call him stupid, so I'm the bad guy, right? I'm the bad guy. What am I supposed to call this guy? Take Syria down a peg or two? What does that mean, you frickin' moron? What does that mean? That, just, that means we're going to start a, a war with them. We're going to have all sorts of people that, of course, are not related to you that you don't know. They're all going to die. Americans are going to die, let alone all the civilians in there. They're all going to die because you, tough guy, want to take Syria down a peg or two. And for what reason? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Occupy Syria? Is that what you're going you're to occupy Iraq and you're going to occupy Syria? Yeah, but what do you think is going to happen? Do you think Syria is going to say, oh, sorry, Mr. Tough Neocon Woolsey. I didn't know you were going to bomb me. Okay, I surrender. <laughs> what, what can I do for you? I'll be your new dog. Do you think that's what they Or perhaps, could it be like Iraq? What's going to happen is they're going to fight us tooth and nail for the next 10, 20 years. And then we're never going to freaking win because we don't know what we're fighting for because we went in there so, so Woolsey could feel great about himself and take people down a peg or two. Jank, they're going to roll over. I mean, oh, because that's what they've I done see. in Iraq, I see. as I we've see. seen. Now, when they go down a peg or two, it will be very hard them, for them to get a leg up. How are, they, how are we going to have them stand up? 
yeah. after we take down them down a peg or two. Because, you know, that's step two. First, shock and awe, take them down, and then stand them back up, and then fight them again, then bring them back up, fight them again, bring <laughs> them back up, and then every time be surprised. Like, oh, look at that. Now yeah. look at Afghanis that we trained. They're fighting us. Oh, look at that Iraqi army we stood up. They're going to be fighting us. Huh? I would have never figured. Nobody could have predicted it. Can't, like, I, forget. I don't know what would happen. I'm not sure. But it, it strikes me as an incredibly valid question that no one seems to ask is that uh, isn't it possible that uh, we would uh, embolden Assad if we had airstrikes? Of I mean, course! I mean, not only embolden, but we would empower him because the Syrians who might or might not be on his side would have to be on his side if we bombed him. Right. Nationalism would take over. God, these people are painfully stupid and they're not going to pay the price for it you are you're going to pay it with taxes because we've already spent 300 billion dollars in iraq and according to the most conservative estimate estimate done by the nonpartisan organization in congress okay not on either side office of management and budget okay oh, sorry the congressional budget office it, the most conservative estimate says that if things go great, they start throwing roses at our feet and we withdraw as soon as possible, it's still going to cost us another $300 billion. That's the best estimate we get. That's $600 billion overall. So you want to spend another $600 billion in Syria and you want to... In Iraq. Um, no, no, no. I'm saying now in Syria after you oh, okay. go, uh, bomb Syria. And then you haven't even gotten to Woolsey's Iran yet. And Iran has got 70 million people in it. Nearly four times as large as Iraq. Well, well they can't. I mean, uh, I don't believe that they're suggesting i meant i wouldn't really put anything past them but they're not suggesting an invasion of syria or iran they they literally think that that the bombings will do it they are so i don't know how many times i gotta say ben's right by the way well he's Uh, half right he's half right look in the beginning in the short term they're saying oh invasion we don't need ground troops we're gonna be the liberators we just bomb all their civilians and afterwards they'll love us so we won't need any ground troops. Now, it's possible that they won't love us, they'll hate us, and then when they attack us, we'll need ground troops. But that Woolsey hasn't figured that out yet. But it's entirely possible that, of course, Woolsey knows that. But he thinks, let's figure out a way to trick these guys, like these guys meaning the American people, like we did in Iraq. And, and you see how in there he threw in, oh, nuclear weapons and ballistic missiles. What nuclear weapons? What are you talking Again. Just a total lie. At best case or worst case scenario, Iran is going to have weapons in five years. Syria, not even close, right? So what nuclear weapons are you talking about? Ballistic missiles. And he throws that. And he says, oh, don't worry, America. Just like they did in Iraq. It'll be easy. And they're coming. They're coming. We're already at war. This isn't about Israel. This is about us. And we better hit back and start a gigantic war that we have no idea how to win right away. And, of course, my favorite part of that, all of that is where he says, oh, no, no, no. The ceasefire is the last thing we'd want to do. That's a good part. Ceasefire is the last thing we'd want to do. Of course, because if you're a warmonger like Woolsey and his neoconservative pals like William Crystal and Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh and all these other guys, you love war. You love blood. You're a maniac. So the last thing you would want is a ceasefire. You would want more people to die for your ridiculous, foolish, and dangerous ideas because you love to see people bleed for you. I hope you're happy, Woolsey. If it build all the bombs... It had behind walls It had behind discs I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks 
You that never done nothing But build to destroy You play with my world Like it's your little toy You put a gun in my hand And you hide from my eyes And you turn and run farther when the fast bullets fly Research business uh, and, and using embryonic stem cells. There is so much demagoguery about this. We're not even years within human clinical trials on this. This is all nothing but speculation. I'm telling you, and I have from the get-go, who is behind this is the, the militant pro-abortion crowd. Because you need abortions to get these. These embryos, these stem cells come from abortions. Not supposed to say that. Uh, because says Rush Limbaugh. Because it's not they, true. Because it's not true. What? That's one of the reasons why you're not supposed to say it. Well, you know, here's the thing about Rush Limbaugh that is consistent. Besides the repugnant visage, the corpulence that's barely kept under control, the drug addiction, and the pathological, uh, closeted, repressed problems, uh, the serial cheating on wives. Uh, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. The one thing you can always rely on with Rush Limbaugh is he never lets the facts get in the way of a Absolutely good rant. Absolutely Never. Never. Like clock, like old faithful. He will never, ever allow the truth to enter into his relationship with his listeners. The the, the best moment of this, and, uh, you know, we should, I, I think we, we, we pulled this quote. This is some time ago. There was a story about... Uh, there was an attempt because the glaciers are melting in Switzerland, and they do skiing on there to put a foil on foil it, on right it. to wrap it. Yeah. And he started reading this, and it was clearly one of those things where you he know, hadn't read it all the way through. He hadn't yeah. read the whole thing all the way through, and his producer screwed up because he starts off and he goes, "These wacky environmentalists are up to it again." I uh, right. They want to put tin foil. They. Uh, there's an attempt to, uh, and he starts to read from the story. There's an attempt to put tinfoil on a, a ski uh, resort, and environmentalists are upset and say this is absolutely. We're gonna take a break. Well, I know. We're gonna take I a break. That. I remember We're that. We're gonna take a break. Yeah. Well, that it just doesn't fit. And you actually, they've done scientific studies along in the same lines as the Milgram experiments that if you say something true to a Rush Limbaugh listener. They react similarly to a caveman in fire. Like, uh, or you've seen in Frankenstein when Frankenstein encounters fire. Ah, and he waves his hands in front of his face. Oh. A same reaction, a similar reaction emanates from a ditto head. If a fact or the truth comes their way, they, uh, they, they, do you know what I mean? There, yes. there's, a, there's a rejection of sorts, but well, there's confusion and anger. There is a, uh, a, a survey that was just released, uh, I think it was yesterday, by the Survey and Policy Research Institute in San Jose. And uh, it says that television news consumption has, has become highly partisan. Television news consumption has been a sharply partisan affair, with the major networks, CNN, MSNBC, serving as the major information source for Democrats and independents, and Fox News supplying information to Republicans. And this is interesting, okay? 
Of those who rely on major networks for the news, 50% are Democrats. Of those who rely on CNN, 51% are Democrats. And of those who choose MSNBC, 51% are Democrats. But of those who choose Fox, 71% are Republicans and only 19% are Democrats. The correlation of Fox News consumption and a resolute conservative worldview is striking. Now, this isn't even necessarily a conservative worldview, okay? For example, just 29% of all Californians say the war in Iraq was worth it. And 63% say it was not worth it. But amongst Fox News viewers, 54% say the war in Iraq was worth it, and 33% say it was not. Now, this is this is just bizarre, because this isn't necessarily conservative. There are a lot of conservatives uh, or so-called conservatives or self-identifying conservatives who are saying, uh, this was a huge mistake. Uh, so it's really just this bizarre, I don't know what you would call these people. I mean, they call themselves conservatives, um, but just fools. Yeah, yeah. It, it has nothing to do with conservatives. You're absolutely right about that. And it has nothing to do with a bias. It has to do with your ability to handle the truth. It has to do with how you process information. Now, on Saturday at Washington Square Park, as usual, there is a very, very uh, great group of people, a lot of integrity, who show up every weekend to to protest the injustices of the Iraqi occupation and also of places like Guantanamo and of the black sites. And these are a really great group of activists who stand there in the sweltering heat, who stand there in the rain and silently, without Without uh, creating any kind of a ruckus, if you will, they stand silently to be counted to say, I do not agree with the Bush administration. So on Saturday, they were there again, and there was a number of them in the orange jumpsuits protesting Guantanamo and the other torture chambers that the uh, Bush administration perpetuates around the world. And, of course, there was probably a Fox fan in a car passes by to harass them. And it's a guy, you know, who looks like your typical frat daddy. And I am not exaggerating this story in any way, and I'm not making this up conveniently the way right-wing regressive radio hosts make up stories about uh, a loony lefty or an enviro wacky. Like, they always have Tucker Carlson makes up stories. Mm -hmm. Always. Always knows somebody who knows somebody who threw a trash can through a Starbucks window. You know what I mean? How Tucker Carlson does that. But anyway, um, and Scarborough does it, too. But anyway, so these people are standing there silently protesting the injustices, and a Fox fan, we'll call him, starts harassing them from his passing car, and he says to them, you ever been there? You ever been to Guantanamo? But with the tone of voice saying, you don't know. And so I, of course, being the mature person I am, said F you as I was crossing the street. I wasn't (laughs) part of this group of protesters. And said, uh, you're an a-hole as I was walking my dogs and flipped him off. Now, unfortunately, probably what happened is he came back around to harass these people more and I was on my way back home with my dogs. But because I'm not mature, I couldn't handle him. But what I wanted to say to him, but his car had passed is, have you been to Treblinka? Have you been to Auschwitz? We know something bad happened, right? But you don't have to go there to know it. But he's the type of guy, probably a Fox News watcher, who their mind or their frontal lobe or their corpus callosum or their limbic region, whatever it is in the brain, cannot take truth, right? They can't take context. They can't take nuance. They can't take walking a mile in another person's shoes. They can't take the idea that, quote, unquote, their country is wrong sometimes, And I think what Fox, quote-unquote, news supplies to people like that, people like George Bush has that problem too, dry drunks, uh, childlike people, people who are emotionally unintelligent and politically immature, they provide succor, if you will, or comfort of some kind for people who literally start to lose it. And when I flipped off the guy in the car, 
He goes, you animal! You animal! He called me an animal. And he called the protesters animals. And he also used the phrase liberal animal. So clearly he listens to regressive radio because some frat daddy doesn't just come up with the word liberal to stick on yeah. the things. That has to be a person that listens to regressive radio. And in his world that he inhabits, the animals are the social justice protesters. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. In this inverted place that he lives, the covert cruelty and the institutionalized cruelty that is represented by right-wing governments like ours now, our illegitimate government that happens to be right-wing, that somehow provides comfort to him. Well, you know, I think it has to do with a certain amount of deniability. I mean, this study... They, it's or denial a, or deniability? Uh, well, it's, it's both. It's denial, I guess. But uh, among those who watch Fox for their news, 59% approve of the job George W. Bush is doing as president and 29% disapprove. And they also now, felt that WMDs were found, uh, and they, had, they, they felt Saddam was involved with 9-11. But among non-Fox viewers, just 25% approve of the president's performance, and 66 disapprove. What you have, and particularly with Limbaugh, too, I've noticed, is that it is all about allowing people to... to delude themselves. Delude and deny. You know, this mm-hmm. notion of, like, you know, Limbaugh's big talking point is... You shouldn't feel guilty that we right. are bombing right. Iraqis. And it just, you know, because I think within every human being, there is at least a, a, a budding notion of conscience and a budding right. notion of enlightenment. And what he does is says, you know, that nagging sense of like, there's something wrong. Don't pay attention to that. If you listen to me for three hours a day. Follow it up with a shot of uh, my moronic, uh, you know, uh, Christian picks up the swords uh, guy who follows Jesus. me. Jesus, yeah, yeah, Sean Hannity. Sean Jesus Hannity. wouldn't have turned the other cheek. Turn the on the Fox News. You will never, ever have to worry about that nagging sense of humanity again. You know, you're absolutely right about that, and that's a very, very smart way to put it. What the New York Post provides, what Fox provides, what Rupert Murdoch's world provides, what the neocons provide, okay? What Christian fundamentalism provides is when you have what some people call the divine spark, which means your your higher self, your better self, or what Buddhists would call when you you can hear my tobacco from my smoking, you can hear me wheezing. Excuse me, (laughs) I smoke filled with cigarettes. Can you tell? They um. The 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 notion of of achieving your higher self that whatever you call it, whatever Buddhists attribute it to, whatever. Uh, Gnosticism, what your your divine self, the divine spark is within you, and you can touch it and tap into it and become better. Okay, what the right wing serves is as an extinguisher to that, because if we get in touch with our higher selves and if we utilize that for public good to move society forward, Republicans cannot succeed. Right wingers can't succeed. Rush Limbaugh has no listeners if we are good. Does that make sense? Yes. If, if, if you get, if you, if you, if you are a heroic person, and if you have integrity and your life has meaning, then Rush Limbaugh can't survive. That's right. I mean, he's there. He, he basically feeds on people's desire not to have to be empathetic, not to have right, to think but, about but to other pretend people. that you're good. Yes, but well, yet, of course, it's, it's edification. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're very right about that, Sam. So what the right wing radio regressive industry does and what the Jack Abramovs do and what what Republican pollsters do and strategists and Karl Rove does is it's almost like a social experiment. 
of of of, uh, of like the Isle of Dr. Moreau. Exactly. They create manimals. About a year and a half ago, when Fife, after the uh, Bush one, just said, okay, I got to go. Uh, I uh, got to go spend time with my family. And we said, why did he just abruptly in the middle of the day, obviously was fired and given no advance notice? Uh, it might be that it leads back to this investigation. In fact, I'd be really surprised if it doesn't lead back to this investigation. Because he left so abruptly. It seemed something was clearly wrong. And he was such an important architect of the war. He was Paul Wolfowitz's sort of deputy. Uh, the, the civilian chain of command at the Defense Department went right down. You know, Rumsfeld, uh, Wolfowitz, Feith. He was a Feith was the number three guy in the defense. Department. And he ran the Office of Special Plans. And, and the Office of Special Plans are the ones that cooked up all the so-called evidence uh, to bring us in a war uh, in Iraq. And you know, the Office of Special Plans. I, I, every time I hear it, I'm still staggered by it because it sounds like the name of the sinister organization on Get Smart, which was Chaos. But it sounds like the kind of thing that fairly that either uncreative people would think of or people trying to spoof uncreative people by being deliberately uncreative. I mean, yeah. Who calls it the Office of Special Plans? I mean, I'll tell you who calls it that. Austin Powers. Right, Austin Powers, exactly. I mean, when you're, when you're spoofing it, it's not, I mean, it's not even Orwellian. The Orwellian thing would have been the, 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 the Office of Iraqi Information. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that, when it was disinformation. Well, uh, the neocons have small hands, and they smell like cabbage. <laughs> okay, uh, p- putting the Austin Powers jokes aside, uh, th- you're right, Ben. These guys were very, very blunt, and they didn't really care, and so they named the dogs the Special Plans, but their nickname for it, for themselves, was... The Liars Club? No, worse, the Cabal. Oh, that's right, and that's why, uh, that's why Larry Wilkerson ultimately used that term. Yeah, so, uh, and what the Rolling Stone article explains is, of course, as we all knew, because, you know, we've talked about the Project for a New American Century before, uh, it's the plan all along for all these neocons inside our government was start a war with Iran. Now, there's, uh, it goes in order. The theoretical order that they wanted originally was Iraq, then Syria, then Iran. But at this point, they're like, bah, we'll take it either way. And that's why you see sometimes... Yeah, and people ne- accuse the neocons of not being flexible. That's what irritates me. <laughs> so that's why you'll see guys like Woolsey, who's a, a major neocon on Fox News Channel, every once in a while talking about... Former director of the CIA, Jim Woolsey. Talking about invading Syria and attacking Syria and bombing Syria for the U.S. to do it. And then other times you'll see uh, people like Bill Crystal talking about invading and bombing Iran. Because they're like, well, once we bomb either one of them, it doesn't matter. We're going to have a whole, you know, Middle Eastern war, and we'll bomb all of them, and we'll get involved in World War III, and it'll be great. You know, we actually make fun of the neocons, uh, Jank, for uh, this sort of, uh, uh, you know, ridiculous, inflexible oneness of thought. You know, that they wrote this, you know, uh, uh, project for a new American century. They sent the letter off to, to President Clinton in, I think, 96. 
Um, is that right, 96 or 97? Well, there was three or four different letters. There was one in 92, 96, 98, and 2000. All right, so the one's in the 90s, though, so it's, eight, you know, and they uh, and, and, and about the need for, for action in Iraq and so forth. And, and, and we accuse them of, despite the fact that the circumstances on the ground and what has happened in Iraq over the past uh, uh, three years would clearly dictate to normal people that this was a terrible, terrible plan. Uh, but they never change. But they, it turns out they do debate stuff, but that's the extent of their debates. Which country should we bomb first to start World War III? Right. And that is like, the debate. And like, by the way, Jim, I am sick of your Syrian nonsense. We cannot attack Syria until after we've attacked Iran. Then we attack Syria. And he's like, Bill, I am tired of your nonsense. You're full of crap, Bill. I'm not going to take it anymore. It's Syria, then Iran, or I'm leaving. The the sick part of all this is, as we joke around about it, they're dead serious, okay? They're not playing, and this is not an exaggeration. You read all the stories. You read the Rolling Stone story. You read Seymour Hersh's stories from the New Yorker. Read what they actually wrote, the four letters I'm talking about. One is called A Clean Break. Uh, it was authored by Richard Pearl. Worms are inside of Cheney's office. Uh, signed that one as well. Fife as well. You read the project for A New American Century. You watch Fox News Channel at any random time in the day, and they all tell you. They're not hiding it. Yes, we would like to attack Iran. We would like to attack Syria. Will that lead to a broader Middle Eastern war? Absolutely. And you l- listen to Newt Gingrich and the rest of them talk about how we're already in World War III. World War that's a positive thing. As Dick Morris said yesterday, oh, that would, be mean, that would mean that we're making progress. The Civil War in Iraq means we're making progress, and World War III would mean we're making progress. Look, when they start this war, they're not going to be able to finish it. They're going to ask you to finish it. They're going to draft your kids. And it is not an exaggeration. It is not anything. It is absolute fact. They will draft your kids, and your kids will die for their crazy ideas. This is Cenk Uger from The Young Turks on the Best of the Left podcast. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, theyoungturks.com, where you can watch the show every day from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also participate in the discussion forums or a live chat with the Young Turks fans. And you can support liberal political programming by becoming a TYT member or by purchasing Young Turks merchandise. All that at theyoungturks.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now, you know, last week, you may recall, I went on a just a bit of a hiatus, and I, I really did kind of sequester myself in a bit of a, a media black hole and... Um, you know, I was just working on some things, you know, trying to relax a little bit, working on the website, just, you know, kind of minor stuff like that. The, all, all the sorts of things that I don't have time to do. Usually I was, I was trying to get that sort of stuff done. So I wasn't really, you know, paying attention to the news or listening to any shows. And um, boy, was I surprised when I came out of that black hole to find myself in the middle of World War Three. I, I mean, I had to essentially drop everything I was doing and... and um, you know, go and rebuild my old victory garden, which I, I certainly recommend you you do as well. Um, it's crazy times we're living in, that is for sure. So, you know, what I was going to say is that, um, you know, you should go and kind of check out my website that I've redone a little bit, you know, maybe vote in the podcast awards, those sorts of things. But now um, I would uh, I would buy war bonds and uh and and start building that victory garden because we got we got some tough times ahead of us that's for sure although i suppose after 
you've done those things, then you could go and check out the things I've done to the website. One of which is, um, you know, I'm a little behind the times on, uh, you know, how to run a website and, and those sorts of things. I finally figured out, uh, I'm a little slow. I finally figured out that if you put information on the website itself, that might be a little bit better than just talking about it on the show. So I've actually created a, a brand new, uh, a, a totally separate page on all the different ways that you can support the show. Um, you know, most of which are just kind of fun things about uh, joining me on MySpace and the Frapper Map, those sorts of things. So there's a whole page there you can check out uh, some brand new and interesting ways that you can get involved, which you may have never heard of before. And then I'm, I'm going to, I'll tease you now by saying that there's one more update that I think you're really going to like, but I don't have it solidly in place yet. So I'll just hold that for tomorrow, but, but that'll be going up very soon. I, I think you're going to like that. So there we go. Um, if you have access to uh, any uh, school desks, I would go ahead and uh, and get out the old film strips and practice uh, the old duck and cover. That um, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, that's um, that's about the best kind of defense you're going to have for yourself. Uh, I'm I was never totally sure what it was about those school desks that was so protective but i'm assuming that they knew what they were talking about back in the 50s or, or you know whenever that was i wasn't alive yet but uh, i i will i'll defer to them and uh, and just kind of do my part by uh by putting out that public service amount, uh, uh, announcement for today um victory gardens war bonds and uh, school desks uh, d coupled with duck and cover film strips, uh, get on that. And, um, and then as we are now in, in the new age of self-protection, I would also stock up on duct tape. So that's, I mean, what else, what else can I do? I, I can only give advice and, uh, and, and that's, that's the best I've got for you right now. So until tomorrow, have a good one, everybody stay safe. Politics.